Welcome to episode 64 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. We are here at the corner of Broad and King at our church offices, and I'm here with uh, my friends Dr. Gabriel Williams and Reverend Ross Hodges, who I believe has family in Flea Hop, Alabama. Is that right, Ross? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you neither, discover that recently? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, do you know how the, the town got the name Flea Hop? I can neither confirm or deny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, no, yeah, we don't want to go there. Believe okay. me. We, I discovered this town recently and uh, just wanted to get some clarification on that. We, uh, we wanted to talk uh, today about uh, living in a world full of screens. Which they don't have in Flea Hop. Which Flea Hop, I think, just had their first TV in town. No, no, they just got electricity. Electricity. Yeah, (laughs) starting small. Um, uh, Forgive us all, you uh, uh, citizens of Flea Hop. We really are just uh, poking fun, but um, we know you're all listening. (laughs) All um, five of you. <laughs> <laughs> screens. Sorry, uh, my so, bad. So we live in we live in a world of screens and um, screens everywhere. Uh, it's it's an appendage on on people's bodies with this with the iPhone, uh, the cell phones. Um, you walk into the modern American home and there's a, a TV screen mm-hmm. in just about every room, uh, even the bathrooms. Mm. Uh, it's it's extraordinary. It used to be uh, when I was growing up in the 70s, that there was a console TV uh, plopped down in the middle of the living room that weighed about 1,500 pounds, <laughs> and uh, you weren't going to have one of those in every room, um, but that's that's where the family gathered, and uh, and TV watching was, was uh, less uh, exciting back then uh, because of what was uh, available and uh, the the TV wasn't very clear. It wasn't great to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't a whole lot on. And and even when you were there, you were usually there with the whole family. Now everything's been privatized. Everybody's got their phone mm-hmm. in their hand. They're watching things in their room or with their earphones on. And uh, nobody's spending time together anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, this is you know. And even before the. The TV, you used to have to go to a, a community theater to watch something. And so mm-hmm. there was some community there and uh, got to see your neighbors. Uh, but there's a, been a privatization of, of entertainment in mm-hmm. our day. And um, and there are many, many more problems than just that, uh, aren't there, with the, the, the ubiquitous screens uh, in our lives. It's There's an expression that uh, art changes culture and culture changes art. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of at this point at the stage of saying that the art has changed the culture. The entertainment has changed us all in a very profound sort of way. So I, I remember, kind of like you, I remember that TVs were used for big public events. I remember that you know, when I was a kid, you went to watch TV when there was a Yankees game on and the Yankees yeah. were in the playoffs and it was a big deal. Yeah, big deal. A whole lot of us gather around and it's a sporting event. Kind of what people do today in pubs when they go to see either World Cup matches or uh, UFC fights. That's what pretty much everyone I knew did for TV. Other than that, the TV just kind of sat there or yeah. was too expensive for each family to have. Mm. And that was my own kind of memory of childhood. And I remember you know, growing from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s that TVs got less heavy. <laughs> they got flatter. 
and cheaper, cheaper, way cheaper. And virtually everyone, no matter how poor you are, apparently in America, you can just get a TV off the shelf for maybe a hundred or so dollars or so. And kind of what you mentioned, uh, there's a shocking effect on what that has done to just our civil society. What we do with our neighbors, what does it mean to have a neighbor has changed because our mode of technology has dramatically changed as well. And there's, you know, the ripple effects we still don't quite fully know. All we see are the immediate effects upon the breakdown of communities. But we, at this stage, do not know the full-scale implications of how a sudden change in our uh, media and technology has altered not just local communities, but entire scopes of society. Yeah, I mean, the cell phone and the iPad uh, have only been around for 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. And before that, of course, the the personal computer has only been around for about 25 years or so. And Mm -hmm. so you you have these screens which have, uh, yeah, like you said, we we don't know the long-term effects of these things. But we know there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are many problems. And, and of course, this is a big topic. And uh, to rein it in just a little bit, we want to talk specifically about, uh, as as Christian believers, Mm -hmm. um, how to... Uh, not be controlled by screens mm. and not to allow screens to um, to parent our, our kids and not mm. to take over our lives. So let's think about it in terms of uh, the Christian home and uh, what, uh, what, first of all, are the problems that we are seeing within Christian homes in relation to screens? Well, some of what you already mentioned, the breakdown of just face-to-face relationship, uh, we have been accustomed to, uh, if, if we're not busy with some other activity, then we, we medicate ourselves with entertainment. We, we don't really know how to, to not do that, uh, to, to not be entertained or be involved in something media, whether it's social media, mm. whatever. And so, so how does that look in a Christian home with parents and kids? What- yeah, so detail on that. so you you can have everything from you know people on their phones at the dinner table if they're even having dinner together or mm. you know the phone is always next to you and you're always getting uh, updates and you're always checking even if it's email or whatever or or lots of social media things so there's this constant uh, third if, if you know if in a marriage there's like a a third or fourth person in the marriage almost always because there's an, there's a couple of phones involved and it seems like you're you're never giving each other the attention to really just sit down and have a face to face in depth conversation where um, you're actually giving the full attention to someone else and so that can happen with spouses it can happen with parents to children and it can happen with children to parents now. Uh, there's, you know, been experiments where somebody, they do a social experiment where a parent is at a playground and is looking at their phone and that somebody comes and uh, lures the kid away with candy or whatever. And, and the parent doesn't even notice for three or four minutes or five or six minutes because, now that's an extreme example, but spiritually the same kind of thing can be mm-hmm. happening right, mm-hmm. right in front of our eyes where we're not relating, we're not shepherding and those sorts of things. That's just one small mm-hmm. example, um, but... We're allowing our homes to be a place that really aren't safe in in a lot of ways. And so, of course, there's the easy targets like pornography that's coming in our homes and those kinds of things. But even the, the less shocking 
uh, on the surface are the just the breakdown of intentional engagement with one another without the distraction of the internet right there. And this not only has to do with phones and televisions, but also with Hollywood movies. Uh, we have we have teenagers, or one that's very close to being a teenager, and one who is a teenager, and we are always hearing stories about the way that various families are doing things. Of course, you always have the, you know, well, they get to do it, so why don't we get to do it, that kind of thing, <laughs> and uh, which is common in all homes of teenagers. And uh, so we ask questions. We ask searching questions. So what are they doing, and uh, why do you think they're doing that, and do you think that's wise that they're doing it that way? And one of the things <clears throat> that has, has made us curious is that there are Christian families who, who tell their teenage kids, as long as it's a PG movie or PG-13, you can go. Mm. You don't have to ask us for permission. Hmm. Meanwhile, <laughs> how many of these PG and PG-13 movies are just absolute garbage? Mm. And, and, and teaching vile, terrible values and you know ungodly things uh, in these movies. So we scratch our heads at that. There was a movie that came out... Um, a few months ago about a, a young man who was transitioning. Uh, he, he had believed that he was a homosexual. And so he began to express that and he was of course affirmed and encouraged and the whole movie's full of love and all this. And, and uh, a few of our daughter's friends went to go see that. And they're from Christian homes. And I just thought, oh my goodness, like do, do, you, do you recognize what you are allowing your children to take in. Mm -hmm. You are allowing the world to give you a, uh, a wrong and uh, uh, um, unreal perspective on this situation. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very worldly perspective and, uh, and one that is, is with the perfect camera angles, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it, it, it influences the heart. It, that's, oh, yeah. that's what so many various uh, communities that are trying to push their agenda, they do. They want to get into the media and into the movies and so forth so that people's emotions are brought there before their minds are. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we allow the television and, and you know, cable television and Hollywood and social media unguarded into the lives of our kids, uh, we are allowing them to be discipled by the world. Amen. One of the things that uh, we've talked about in another podcast, but it's kind of good to remember, is that when it comes to most of the modern uh, technology, uh, some of us, well, maybe everyone here at this table, are what we would call immigrants to the media culture, in the mm -hmm. sense that we remember the days before we had you know, iPhones, laptops, and easy access television. We remember those days as kids, but our kids are basically the natives. This is what they only know. Yeah. And as a consequence for our kids, that means this is what they understand to be normal. And this is something that's true culturally as well, that it takes an outsider, someone not from your culture, to kind of tell you and to show you how abnormal your life is. Mm. And that's true spiritually as well and naturally. And right now, our kids have been raised in a generation where it's normal for people to kind of be blacked out on 
uh, music in the ears. They got a kind of foggy look in their eyes because they're used to the quick twitch sort of technology that comes. They're not used, they don't understand that that's a very strange, abnormal, and recent phenomenon. And what the parents' responsibility is to do, in one sense, is to tell them, this may appear normal to you because this is how, this is the kind of the milieu that you were raised, but the reality is that people did not live like this up until 15 years ago. It yeah. just happens you were born <laughs> less than 15 years ago. Yes. Yeah. And that's, to me, one of the most immediate sort of issues is that most of the time, even when it comes to Christian parents and Christian children, they are not aware of how bizarre our culture is about a lot of things. And that's the, that's the charge for parents in one sense is to teach them that basic point that what you think is normal is actually a very purposeful, progressive move away yeah. from godliness. Yeah. Yeah. You live in a deeply ungodly culture that is telling you that ungodliness yeah. is for your benefit. Yeah, and they want to objectify you, mm-hmm. and they want your money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They want to exploit you in all sorts of ways. Yes. They want your attention. They want you to move away from the traditions of the past. Yeah. They want you to embrace this brave new world, so to speak. And the reality is that unless the parents or the parents are intentional in that progress, uh, it shouldn't be surprising that if you allow your child to go to Rome, they become you know Romans. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, isn't it important then that we talk to our kids mm-hmm. about this stuff? Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys have kids that are too young at mm-hmm. this point to kind of, you know, I mean, obviously you can talk to them about, hey, we're not going to watch TV anymore, you know, mm-hmm. we can go read some books and some simple stuff. But, you know, as, as they get older and they begin to see what their friends are doing and they're seeing things and discovering new things, uh, isn't it important that we talk to them very there's directly? A, there's frank talks that needs to be had. And I think another one is just basic examples. One of the things that my oldest daughter, she's now six, remarks on is how many TVs people have. When she goes to other, visit other people, it could be anyone, it just doesn't matter. And she remarks that, you know, you walk into the living room, that's the TV on the wall. It's the biggest thing by far in the room. And you go upstairs to the playroom, that's the other TV. And that's the radio, and that's the other TV. In the, the other master room. bedroom. Yeah, and the master bedroom, it's another TV. And she remarks on it every time she happens to go to other people's houses because it's something to her that's still unusual. Because our house doesn't have a, a open TV that's available, and so in one sense, there's a, a modeling of uh, to your children on what at least what you're trying to instill. But then there's this the frank talk that look, there's a reason that we are intentionally being countercultural, and you may not get this now. You won't <laughs> at this point because you're just you know you're six years old. But the intentional counterculture activity is so that you do not grow up with the same sort of attachments that everyone your age will have yeah. by the time they're nine. Yeah, so yeah. at six years old is when I've, I've learned, because of my daughter going to kindergarten, that's when they started getting introduced to actually owning phones at that age, which wow. you know, shocked my mind yeah. <laughs> completely. Wow. And listen, parenting yeah. is, is hard, yeah. especially when the kids get older yeah. on this stuff. Yeah. And that's the point I want to make in this podcast is that it takes some courageous parenting mm-hmm. to do the right thing. Yeah. 
because your kids will have a hundred reasons mm-hmm. backed up with a hundred stories of their friends and their parents and the way mm-hmm. they, they do things that will try to convince you not to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And um, we all know that video game addiction is a, a thing. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And apparently over in, I think it's Japan. Yeah, or South Korea maybe. Or South Korea. Yeah, South Korea. They are... They are having times of day where kids are not allowed, according to law, to play yeah. video games yeah. because oh. it's an epidemic. Yeah, um, it's a public health academic, I think. It's, a, it's a health crisis. Epidemic, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Yes, an academic crisis because mm-hmm. their kids aren't studying and they're not doing their homework because they're just playing video games for hours and hours and hours. Well, apparently, a couple of months ago, this new game came out, a phone app game called Fortnite. And... Uh, all the kids are talking about it all the time. This is here in the States? or This is here. Okay. And, uh, and my son was uh, talking to me about how all the kids, who all have phones, by the way, mm-hmm. um, who are in sixth grade, um, are talking about and playing Fortnite. And, um, and, and Hans has expressed, like, Dad, I don't know what to... To talk to people about because that's all they talk about and then if they're not talking about it they're playing it and talking about it and uh at one point uh, when we were all out for a lunch with a bunch of his soccer team every single one of his teammates had their phone out at the, at the table and a lot of them were playing this interactive video game on the on the phone and uh, you know so so he's looking at me mm-hmm. saying dad i'm the only one <laughs> that's not easy it's not and 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 and, and no, to to, to give all. in to that so that he'll have more connections with his friends or whatever mm-hmm. it would be very easy but what i told him was this son uh it's all very complicated and i get that and i i, f- I feel bad for you that you're standing there and these guys are all you know uh, playing these video games, I, I said. But you know, you're 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 engaged in sports. You, you you play the cello. You're doing well in school. You have a good relationship with your parents. You have a wonderful church. You are very blessed, and mm-hmm. so you need to take leadership and to try to change the subject or talk about things of more substance. And that's going to be you know something that you're going to have yeah. to do to choose to do. Mm-hmm. And that the reality is these things are hard, but as Christian parents, we, we need to not just give in mm-hmm. to the culture. Mm-hmm. And again, there are a hundred reasons to do it. Mm-hmm. Some of them are seemingly good reasons, but um, we need to choose the best over, over the good or the cultural yeah. norm. Well, and, and we realize, too, that parenting is, is part of Christian discipleship. Right, mm-hmm. and yeah. we are called to disciple our children and to to teach them to love the Lord um, with their their heart and their mind, and and there's both aspects here, right? So there's there's the some of the issues we've been hitting on, or just the the practical. You know, you can you can become addicted. You can uh, stop having normal relationships as at least normal was conceived 15 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can certainly have stop having biblical relationships in that you're getting to know someone face to face and caring about them as a person and all of these things when social media becomes the the media between you 
and all of that. There's there's practical issues, but there's there's a lot of heart issues as well, right? I mean, there's, mm-hmm. and it's not wrong to want to to have people you know think well of you or to to like you and that sort of thing. But that can become uh, an an idol, and social media can pour gasoline on the fire of that idol, mm-hmm. where you're you're doing things so that people will like you so that you know you will get extra likes you will get friend requests or and I'm probably you know followers I'm, followers or whatever it is I mean I'm I'm showing my ignorance even by the lack of terminology mm-hmm. here um, but we want to teach our kids we want to take those opportunities when we're saying no because we think it's unhealthy on certain levels but also to say what is healthy well no it's not healthy to be doing this well, what is healthy well how about uh, finding your identity in Christ mm-hmm. how about not you know, while you don't just say who cares about friends or anything like that, you you say, but if people don't approve of you or people think you're a little bit weird or this side or the other be, because of the decisions that we're making as a family, um, you, you need to find peace and comfort in the fact that uh, you, you you have your identity not wrapped up chiefly in these things. Yeah. And by the way, Noah's neighbors thought he was weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the disciples' friends and, and neighbors thought they were weird. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought Jesus was weird. In fact, they wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, counter, being countercultural is, is in part what it means to be a Christian. We just have to ask what, in what ways are we to be so clearly countercultural? And I think we, one of the things that I've been very impressed upon is when we speak about Christianity, we're speaking about a transcendent, eternal truth that has basically come down through Jesus Christ and etc. When we talk about culture, culture is constantly changing. And it is the Christian that should be able to say, what are you going to follow? The transcendent, eternal truth? that has been revealed in the scripture or all the iterations that culture does mm. and it's going to go through a whole lot and the reality is that it may go it may be at times more beneficial for christians because culture may align more with what we say christian morality is or it may dive further and further away now you as a christian you're living in this particular culture you're living whenever culture you're in uh, that's the discernment that you have to have. At least in my impression, we're living on a downward <laughs> turn yeah. at the moment. Yeah. And so it's not okay simply to say, I'll take a little bit from here, a little bit from there, and try to blend together. No, there is a, just as we can say, there is true, there's Christian truth that is uh, undeniable and unquestioned. There's also a Christian standard of behavior. And one of those things that we know from the scripture is that one of the basic things that all Christians are called to is a disciplined, self-controlled mind. Yes. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that the new age or the new cultural social media age has done, it has encouraged the opposite of that. Very impulsive, very undisciplined, and pretty much a very unsettled and unsatisfied mind in life. And so when I, you know, I teach... At very, I teach at the college, but also do side teaching at well, uh, high schools as well. And it's very clear what the actual new age is producing in kids. So this is not an issue of one, you know, it's not just an issue of multiple cultures and different customs. We now have a large number of teenagers who are growing up without the ability to discern, 
without the ability to focus and to think properly. And we're growing up with people who are obsessed with their personal image. That is what we're producing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing normal about that. And there's nothing that should be considered normal about that. But that is the age we live in. That's why Instagram is popular today. Facebook used to be the big thing because it meant you can talk to people that you didn't know. Instagram is popular because you can show yourself to other people on a regular basis. And so we now have a narcissistic, self-absorbed, self-promoting, boastful, arrogant culture. Shallow. Shallow (laughs) at the core. Insecure. Insecure. This is all the stuff. And Christian scripture is clear. Christians are not boastful. We're humble. Christians are not uh, self-promoting. We're self-defacing. We are people who understand we are mere uh, men of dust. That We understand that all of these things that just happens to be produced by this culture, we cannot in good conscience say it's okay. The reality is that we know we are seeing the byproduct of that. And so part of what you mentioned is leading by conviction and courage. It's, uh, it's, again, very difficult to see your child being the weird child. And most Christians who are today making that courageous, convicting statement are going to have that weird child. Yeah. And that's something that we're going to have to walk through as a church in terms of local churches. That your, yeah. your child is weird, my child is weird <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah. But the reality is that the alternative is horrible. And yes. we're seeing it. Yes. And so it's not something to play with. Um, yes. the, the trajectory that we're seeing from people who are 12 to 17 and even in the college, it's a trajectory that's basically saying we are removing just the very core of Christian yeah. structure, Christian morality, and basically removing the heart of godliness from people. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. And, um, you know, we have certainly... Uh, uh, made mistakes and uh, have been unwise at times in what we we have and and have not allowed and uh, anyone who who parents um, kids of any age but I think in particular of, of teenagers which is the stage we're in uh, they know that it's complicated mm-hmm. and uh, one does a lot of uh, repenting and soul searching <laughs> and praying mm-hmm. you know someone asked me recently what you know what what advice would you give for raising teens I'd say pray. Yeah, um, it's yeah. about, about all I could say <laughs> at this point. Um, even though we have we have great kids and and we love our kids, but it's it's challenging, uh, especially in an affluent area like like Charleston, um, where so many young people are being handed tremendous uh, wealth and toys and gadgets and, mm-hmm. and whatever. <clears throat> but. Uh, one thing that we we have always done in our in our home is is to have restricted uh, TV and movie use. So our our kids are, are are never allowed to just go watch TV. Um, now some may see that as as just highly highly strict, and uh, that's okay if they want to say that. That's fine. We I would I would I would basically um, define it as. Uh, just wanting to be wise because I, I believe that our our kids don't always know what's good for them. I mm. mean, just like you said okay. earlier, Gabe, right? They would quit school probably on many days if they if they were allowed to, but we don't allow them to. Sure. Yeah. Um, and 
when I hear of young people having the access, a lot of them in their rooms to just watch TV anytime they want and they end up getting hooked on silly TV shows and watching movies all the time, watching inappropriate things. Um, I think it's unwise. So we have, we have limited TV use. Um, and dur- during the week, it's almost never on. Um, and if it is, it's for a very short amount of time. Uh, and, uh, and on the weekends, there, we may watch a movie or something, but we're not watching five movies. We're watching mm-hmm. one. And, mm-hmm. and because if they're watching five, that means they're probably not ever going to be reading books and they're not going to be talking to each other and mm-hmm. engaged in, in conversation with the family. And we shouldn't just give up on that, even if there are seasons in the house where people aren't talking to each other as much. Um, we, we need to, to fight for, for that yeah. uh, as families. So that's one thing we do. We, we have uh, controls on the kids' devices. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Covenant Eyes is one thing we have, which reports every single thing that, they're, that they've looked at mm-hmm. on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, our kids, our older kids, need computers for school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a reality. They have to do research online. It's, their teachers are telling them to do it. It's part of the curriculum. And so it's not an option to just not have a computer um, for the kids. So the next question is, well, how do you protect them from all the garbage on the Internet? Well, yeah. you have to put controls on there. And you cannot, if I can just say this, I don't know how to say this more forcefully, but parents, you cannot trust your kids, your teenage kids, with Internet access, you have to have controls. You have to check up. I, the number of parents that have come to me over the last decade weeping because their their son or their daughter has been on pornographic websites mm. and has been exposed to these things, mm. it's, it's, it's terrible. And a lot of times their curiosity gets the best of them. They're, they're up late one night and they're doing their homework and they decide to check out what they heard about at school that day and, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they look at it again and then again and they're hooked and then they, yeah. they're mm-hmm. devastated and they're, they're, their marriage in the future is impacted by it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's real. Yeah, and it parents, it we as parents have to protect our kids from themselves mm-hmm. and from the world and from the devil mm-hmm. um, because his claws have gotten very long and they reach in through the screens Mm-hmm. Of uh, of phones and la- and, and I, I, iPads and laptops, and they and they pierce right into the souls of our children, yeah. and uh, we have to protect them from that. Yeah, and you're not saying you can't trust your kids because they're going to be they're bad kids or they're untrustworthy or something. You're saying that it comes after them. Amen. I mean, it, it you know you 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 don't have to be looking for no. uh, pornography or other dangerous things. It's there, and it comes after you. I mean, the, the marketers, the you know, the purveyors of this stuff know how to even get you, you know, accidentally, you know, pulled yeah. in and that sort of thing. Um, and 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 also, as you said, you know, kids are curious, and there's there's all those sorts of things. Now, we we want to be clear here. We're not saying with all of this, we're not saying technology. That we're against technology. No. That we're that we think technology. We've got three laptops is, on the desk right here. Yeah. And three phones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This, so and and even we're not saying social media is itself evil or that these things are inherently wrong. We're just saying that you you uh, you disciple the through the use of these things. You shepherd uh, your your own family uh, in the use of these things. We you know I grew up in the country and and there were tools that we had to use for. Various things and and sometimes for recreation, whether it's pocket knives or 
you know, or uh, you know, tractors or lawnmowers <laughs> or, or or you know, firearms or whatever it happens to be. These are normal parts of country life, but you always train the proper use of them, or That's or right. else they do damage. Right. And it's the same principle here that we want to acknowledge that the improper use, which is very easy, it's much harder to use something correctly than it is to use it incorrectly. Um, mm. That it's very dangerous. Yeah, you wouldn't allow a child to go jump on a a tractor and start driving it. Well, not before age five. <laughs> not, <laughs> without instruction, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, 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 you take them through a yes. set of yeah, instructions exactly. and you, you make rules, mm-hmm. guidelines. You will not drive this without my permission, you know. And, and yet, something way more dangerous yes. than a tractor mm-hmm. is, is in our phones and on our TV screens and, 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 and coming t- from Hollywood. Yeah, and we are fools to not recognize that. I think. Yeah, Amen. I think one of the last things I'll add here is there's a common theme between what you two are saying here, because one of the things that the new age has has actually promoted is that it has actually driven a wedge between parents and children. It sure mm-hmm. has. And one, and this is something that you know we Ross and I have you know pretty young kids, and this is something that's pretty easy. Kids are acting up. Kids are cranky. It's so easy to say. I'm going to sit you down, put you in front of a TV. I'm going to go do some other stuff. <laughs> that's easy. And there are a lot of mothers who listen and say, that temptation is there. It's a long day. Oh, yeah. You've got a lot of work to be done. The kids are driving you crazy. If I just put them in front of the screen, I can get like 25 minutes of solace. Or if they're teenagers and I just give them the apps that they want. Yeah. It's the same. social media apps. Same sort of thing here. Yes. And what that has done in effect, it is that... Now the technology has been a means for you to kind of drive yeah. them away. Yeah. And it doesn't just appear on the scene when they're a teenager. There's a long track record yes. to get to that point. Yes, so true. And one of the things that uh, my wife and I have done as a consequence, we know it's harder to essentially have that sort of conviction because it takes a lot more energy out of you. Yeah. To yeah. simply say you have young kids who want to play, they need something to play with, and you're the you're the plaything. You're the parents, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're gonna. You're either going to put them in front of the screen, and let the screen be their entertainment and who they bond with, or it's going to be you, the parents. And that takes a lot of energy. And that's something that we all experience at various mm-hmm. stages. And one of the things that I guess I'll my final thought is, you should think of technology. You should be warned about that aspect technology. That is not just a convenience. It's training your child to look to someone else apart from your parents. Mm. And it's a warning in that sense. Um, Just like Ross said, with any new instrument, any new device, there is instruction manual and warning. That's one of the warnings you should put next to technology. Is it driving your children away from you? Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be because they hate you and have animus in their heart. It's just because... They've not been trained to think of life as normal, not interacting with you. Yeah. That's what you should consider as a warning. I think a takeaway from all of this is that oftentimes doing the right thing is is much, much harder oh, than yeah. doing something that um, isn't the right thing. And, and sometimes what isn't the right thing isn't necessarily overtly evil. Mm-hmm. It's just easy, yeah. and it's not the best thing. Ross, you preached uh, from Matthew... Uh, seven on the broad and narrow way yeah this past Sunday evening it was a fantastic sermon if, if you haven't heard it and you're listening to this podcast you need to go and download it off of sermon audio 
Um, but this this applies so perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah. That the Broadway that leads to destruction has a lot of people on it all doing the same stuff. Yeah. And and the Broadway in terms of digital technology is just that it's just a free for all. Mm-hmm. And you don't really think about these things too hard. And there are a lot, you know, you don't give the warnings, you just give the kids access because you know, it's just too hard to try to uh, to put the rules there and to enforce those rules and to have all the talks and, and it's just hard and so so the broad way is, is that which actually leads to, to, to destruction but the narrow way which we're called to, to walk on is yes. hard it is the way of discipleship is hard the Lord said if you want to follow me you need to deny yourself take up your cross and follow me mm-hmm. that doesn't um, that doesn't remove grace it's all of grace mm-hmm. but grace leads us down a narrow path Amen. A narrow path of, of God-centered, Bible-saturated, spirit-filled living. Amen. And that narrow way says, you know, I know it's hard. I know it's hard for me to parent my kids differently than a lot of the parents are parenting them that are their friends and mm-hmm. friends, parents, friends, whatever. Um, but we must do it uh, because we live by conviction mm-hmm. and not by pragmatism and not by whatever the culture says to do Um, you know when when Daniel uh, saw that a new law had been been made that whoever prays to any god except for the king will be thrown into the lion's den what did he do he prayed he prayed he walked up to his place he opened the window and he prayed three times a day just like he always had Mm -hmm. and uh, he wasn't going to allow legislation or cultural pressure or his status in the government. He wasn't going to allow any of that stuff to impact his devotion to God. Mm-hmm. And so this this is really a huge, huge thing that's happening real time that we're just learning about, really, in terms of the effects of social media and video games and television and Hollywood and all the things that it's doing. Um, we do know this. Uh, while there's a lot of mystery still about what these things are actually doing to the hearts and minds of people, what we do know is this, is that we are called to live uh, with wisdom mm-hmm. and to raise our kids in the Lord's and to protect them. Just like you protect a child from walking out into a busy road, mm-hmm. you protect them from walking out onto the highway of, of social media mm-hmm. and the internet and all that and guide them and shepherd them and teach them how to use these things uh, in a way that is, is godly and wise. Amen. Amen. Well, we've just scratched the surface on a massive subject and uh, probably haven't done a good job doing so, but we hope that you uh, have been encouraged and uh, that you will join us uh, next time on Between the Times.